Women should feel empowered to pull each other up. We want to build a community to share other women's stories. everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Tea with TE. I'm Sarah Herman, and this week I'm joined by Healy Lev, SVP of Operations at Conserve. Healy, thank you for joining. Yeah, I'm excited to do it. I feel like uh, it's been a couple months in the making. Yes. <laughs> Healy and I first spoke um, definitely like three months ago, I think, and just connected. We were just networking and um, loved her kind of background and your story. And I'm really excited to have you on here today. So I'm glad we were able to align align our busy schedules. Um, I think it would be great to start by having you just give quick little introduction to yourself. What is Conserve? And tell us a bit about your role today. Yeah, sure. So um, Healy Lev, SVP of Operations at Conservice. And we are now two years into an acquisition. So um, for a while, I was the chief revenue officer of my company called Gobi that was acquired by Conservus in September of um, 2021. And then I was the CRO, chief revenue officer of ESG, and then found myself um, to a more appropriate title now within the larger <laughs> organization, uh, but still doing a lot of the same functions. Awesome. Now, you are in a career, I would say, that's typically pretty male-dominated. There's a lot of male CROs and, and sales executives. Did you always know you wanted to go that route, that you wanted to be in sort of the revenue management space? And when did you decide that? Yeah, it's a good question. So when I talk to students nowadays that want to go into the field of work that I'm in, so being um, not just commercial real estate, but a specific subset of commercial real estate being ESG mm -hmm. for commercial real estate. At the time I was going to school, um, there was no such path or degree. And even, you know, if you think about like a revenue officer, chief revenue officer or revenue um, type role, that's also fairly new, I'd say yeah. in the last five years or so. So in short, no, it's not like um, I woke up when I was five years old saying I want to be a revenue <laughs> officer when I grow up or I want to work in ESG and sustainability for commercial real estate um, was more of a meandering path and, you know, kind of just taking advantage of opportunities that came my way of people that I met of things that I was naturally good at and that I enjoyed doing. Um, and that's, you know, kind of how it came to be. So no, definitely a very unconventional path. Um, my undergrad was in architecture. I worked for a handful of architects, interior designers, and still have a great deep passion and appreciation for architecture, um, just not as an occupation, um, mm -hmm. more as like a hobby or an interest. Um, so yeah, no, in short, definitely yeah. a meandering path. But, but nowadays you certainly can, there are programs that are based around ESG and sustainability. Um, you can do master's degrees in all sorts of disciplines. So now it's definitely more mainstream for folks that want to choose that. And I think the same thing will happen, um, you know, with a revenue officer or another one is like a chief growth officer function, yeah. just seeing those more and more. So yes, I do think that there will start to be some formal paths and maybe you will end up with some five-year-olds that wake up and their yeah. saying, I want to be a chief growth officer yeah. one day. Um, we'll see. That's funny. Yeah. The, the CGO and the CRO row I'm seeing, there's a lot of overlap there and they're sort of, it's interesting to watch it evolve and what they mean at different size companies and in different industries. So, yes. Um, so you've had a non-conventional path, you know, taking advantage of opportunities and really, you know, putting yourself out there. So today I know I'd love to sort of talk to you a bit about 
just your journey and networking and relying on your network and really sort of taking risks. But I want to brag about you for a moment. You, you know, in your background, you've gone from a director of sales to a chief revenue officer in five years, which is impressive. You've also been named on a number of lists, such as the Forbes 30 Under 30. You run a real award for sustainability leadership. How what has your journey been like? I mean, you're at a place where a lot of women who are probably earlier in their career think that's that's where I want to get. You know, I want to I want to be recognized. I want to be a known leader. Just tell us a bit about that journey. Yeah, for sure. Um, so again, as these things go, I'm very happenstance person. I am definitely thinking about day to day what I need to get done today, um, maybe what I need to get done next week. And I try to remind myself to also be thinking a year out or five years out. And I try to tell my teams to do the same thing, because if you kind of just get stuck in the rut of coming in and, you know, completing some tasks, you'll you'll just be completing tasks for mm-hmm. the rest of your life. You know, you have to kind of think proactively. Um, so if I think about my journey, you know, my first position within Jones Lang LaSalle, so I leveraged that architecture background to work at a global Fortune 500 commercial real estate firm, learned a ton um, on the job, learned about what I like, what I don't like, what I'm good at, what I'm not good at, and then decided to do a master's um, when I kind of figured out what that was I wanted to do. So that's another piece of advice is like, uh, if anyone will take it, I'm sure my kids won't, but maybe someone <laughs> else's kids out there will. Um, I, I would highly recommend just doing a very general undergrad degree, like business, like some mm-hmm. sort of business or economics, something like that. Then go out and work and figure out what you like and what you don't like, and then do a master's once you figure that out. Because I think it's really hard to ask an 18-year-old um, what they want to be when they grow up. I don't think they yes. really know. I know I didn't really know the way that I chose architecture was very... Um, happenstance and arbitrary could have been anything. So anyways, that being said, um, after working at JLL for a handful of years, one thing I realized I did like doing was growing new businesses. I had a very entrepreneurial spirit and that can be tough when you're in a fortune 500 company and you're one of the younger people there, right? You're not going to maybe get too many opportunities (laughs) to build or do something new, but I did figure out how to, um, There was a new emerging concept at the time was LEAD, so Leadership in Energy Environmental Design. It was maybe the forefront of what we now know as ESG for commercial real estate, which is much bigger and has all different types of um, reporting and involuntary and voluntary. So they had put out, JLL had put out um, a notice of the first people who wanted to get their LEAD accreditation and study and take the exam to become, you know, get this credential they would pay for it. And I was like, that's great. I've always been interested in environmental science and the intersection of that within commercial real estate. I'll do it. Signed up. um, So 30 people signed up. Of the 30, only two, maybe three passed by the date that they had put out. So already, you know, just doing what I say I'm going to do, right? I I signed up, committed to a deadline and I actually did it. So that already um, weeded me down, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) And then of those three, um, you know, I was selected to work with McDonald's Corporation on the lead platinum certification of their global headquarters. And I was presented to the client, you know, as the subject matter expert at the firm within lead. Yeah. And you know, I'm sitting there thinking, I just passed my exam. Um, I'm going to <laughs> fail this miserably. What am I going <laughs> to do? But it was a great opportunity to rise to the occasion, right? So yeah. really a sink or swim. Um, 
giving me enough rope to, uh, what is it? Climb out safely or hang myself. Yep. <laughs> and, you know, I took advantage of it and I said, you know what? Failure is not an option. So whatever I have to do, whoever I have to call upon. And I did, I called upon, um, other experts and resources. I did a ton of reading and research, but it was all with the mindset of just failure is not an option. It's 100% yeah. not an option. Got through that project successfully. Um, I got a lot of accolades, you know, in the market, within the firm, certainly. And then I did become some of somewhat of a resident expert within JLL. And that enabled me um, to travel a lot and meet a lot of new cool people. So I went and did um, a presentation and uh, trainings for the JLL offices in France, the JLL offices wow. in Brazil. I worked with a counterpart in New York and California to further develop what this practice and program might look like for our firm. So again, just um, started small, right? But but just taking advantage of opportunities, leaning in, um, doing what I say I'm going to do, making sure that I don't fail no matter what it takes. Those are things, and, and these are the kinds of qualities I look for now you know, in, in my employees, in my team. And when I identify an individual like that, just someone that takes it, their work to heart, is accountable, is not going to let something fail, um, I, I empower them. I get out of yeah. their way, quite frankly. Yeah. I go out of their way. I say, you know what, you're awesome. You know what you're doing. And I can rely on you. And I know that you own this as if it were your own. How can I help you or get out of your way? Yeah, it's basically my mindset. So <laughs> after that, um, I realized I really enjoyed the adventure of creating this new business line for us, um, figuring out the pricing, figuring out the product market fit, um, going our go-to-market strategy. So I decided um, I wanted to go to business school because with an undergrad degree in architecture, I, I was launching this new product and I had never taken marketing 101 or sales 101, finance 101, accounting 101. So <laughs> I went back, um, did my MBA while I was working at night um, at Kellogg. And that was an amazing experience. And I think even further opened my eyes to you know how business works, how the world works, and certainly to um, an amazing network of professionals that I still to this day, you know, will lean on and, and ask. Yeah. And that's one thing about the network. Um, I think any business school, I can speak to the one I went to at Kellogg that people are always respectful of the network. So you can reach out to a perfect stranger. You can reach out with a favor. You can reach out with an ask. And I think it's almost like it, no one tells you you have to do this, but yeah. it's an unwritten rule that if a fellow alum reaches out to you, you just, you do whatever you can, right? You, yeah. uh, within professional reason, you do whatever you can to help them out. Yeah. So that's been awesome. Um, and then as I finished that journey, graduated, I thought I'd be at JLL forever. I loved it. Um, I thought it'd be a life where I wanted to run it one day, but <laughs> I got a, a wonderful opportunity to join a startup at the time called Gobi. So the CEO called me um, out of the blue. And again, to the point of, I think the undertones of this podcast of networking and getting your name out there and knowing. So I had started to speak a lot just within the city of Chicago, where I was based at um, different conferences and events and um, groups that were dedicated to ESG for commercial real estate, which was my niche. And um, the CEO of this startup had seen me kind of out in the world, reached out, was like, you know, what, what is it going to take to bring you over here to help us do this thing? And I was like, well, you know, I'm gainfully employed at JLL. I really like what I do. I just finished Kellogg um, a lot. I don't know. A yeah. lot. <laughs> and I threw out something at the time that I thought was ridiculous. Like in my head, I'm like, ah, I might as well shoot the moon because I don't really care. And I'm, I'm good where I'm at. Um, but surprisingly, he came back. He said, all right. Wow. Yes. So I was like, all right. And I guess, <laughs> I guess we're doing time. this. <laughs> Yeah. So that was almost, um, 12 years ago now, so yeah, 12, 13, 13 years, 12 years, 
something like that a long time <laughs> September. Um, but, and we, and we went through the whole journey and that was an awesome learning experience. So you go from the cushiness of a fortune 500 company and all the resources and all the stability that that gives you, um, to a startup where I was maybe the ninth or 10th employee in a tiny, embarrassing office with no resources and, um, no brand name recognition. Yeah. That was like a good growth experience for me. Right. So the first few conferences I went to, and I was like, here's my card, you know, I'm Healy, I'm with Gobi. And people are like, what's a Gabi? What's Gabi? When I was used to going to these things being like, I'm Healy with JLL. And they'd be like, JLL, that's awesome. Right. How long have you been there? What a, an impressive firm. So that was a good, you know, humbling experience, but had our work cut out for us. So, um, you know, in the, in the decade or so that I was there, we um, raised a series A, we grew the business. Um, we worked with, it was a VC prop tech fund out of Toronto, raised $5 million with them, um, grew the business and then had a successful exit to a strategic, which is conservice in September of 2021. So really completed the whole entrepreneurial journey of like startup to series yeah. A to growing the business to all the pains and, um, sleepless nights and blood, sweat and tears that go into being an entrepreneur to luckily for us as a very small percentage do enjoy, um, a successful exit. So yeah. That's been awesome. So anyways, long-winded, but that's the whole story. And I will just reiterate um, how along the way, a couple things, failure is not an option, leverage and lean on the network that you have and the people that you meet, all of them are valuable. So even in the context of the VC, you know, we took their money, they gave us advice, it could have ended there, but I took the opportunity to get to know each one of the those folks that were on our board individually and kind of yeah. leverage their knowledge and that's the other thing too. You can't always just be a taker, right? Like if you can't have someone like be like mentor me because I exist there, yeah. it has to be a two-way street, right? It has to be a give and take. So I would always try to think of something that I could offer them um, by way of other introductions or by way of helping them with the research thing or by way of whatever I could offer to make it feel like it wasn't just um, a one-way street or one-way yeah. relationship of like, help me mentor me because why would they do that? Right. Right. There should be something in it for them too. So anyways, yeah, those, those have been the commonalities. And I think, you know, continuing to do that, even at this stage of my career, it's just, it's not something it's not, they're not tactics that I see myself ever ditching. Yeah. I love what you said about the, it's funny, my family and I were just talking about college degrees and how crazy it is that you're expected to decide what you're going to do for your life at 18. Yeah. Um, I love that idea though of just getting you know a sort of generic degree and going out in the world and then finding your specialty um because it is you know things are different now right than when universities began and and people aren't I think thrusted into just the career that their parents chose for them so I think that's really interesting advice and I've often played around with going back to school just because I also feel like now I care more about the things that I would be learning than I did yeah, you know, yeah. at a younger age. You respect um, your education more. And I yeah. mean, definitely too, the way, the reason I say business is undergrad, everything's a business. Like you can open right. a bike shop. That's a business. You can be a doctor. That's a business. You can be a consultant. Yeah. That's a business. Everything is a business. So yeah. learning the fundamentals of business, you know, will never be wrong. Decision. Yeah. Um, to that point, one of my best friends owns a Pilates studio. She went and had a minor in business and a major in dance. And that's, I was a dance major. Okay. Now I'm, you know, in a completely random different field than that, but yeah. um, that did come so in handy when she decided to open her own business. I mean, there's just so much around that. So um, yeah. anyway, I just loved that. love that piece of advice. Now you 
through all of that, to me, there was a common sort of theme of just, it takes courage sometimes to sort of just step into the unknown, right? To sign up for something that's competitive or to take on yeah. a role at a startup, you know, as the first, you know, person of that kind. Or sometimes um, even little things like just to speak up in an intimidating room, you know, yes. like it doesn't have to necessarily be those big things, but yeah, there, there's yeah. fear of return, no doubt. Now, did you have a mentor or someone that sort of led the way for you, or did you have to go out and just fully put yourself out there and, and find people to connect with on that level? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think I don't love the word mentor because again, it feels like one-sided, like I'm going to find someone that's going to teach me stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, I think that the relationships that you build um, they're very important and they're going to help. And I, and I think the word I like to use is like an advocate, right? So mm -hmm. you can have an advocate within a firm. It doesn't necessarily have to be a direct supervisor. It could be um, usually someone above your level, but someone that just sees and respects the work that yeah. you're doing and is willing to be an advocate for you or vouch for you or kind of go out on a limb and be like, no, Healy knows what she's doing. Like she's really good. Um, I think that's the way to do it. And again, the way to get there is not to just find someone above you in the organization and say, hey, CFO, will you be my advocate? You know, you need to find ways and threads to work with people and then kind of leverage those into um, making them an advocate or teaching them yeah. about what you're all about or offering to help them on a project that might be above and beyond your scope. So yes, I definitely credit a lot to, you know, people that helped me along the way. But again, I don't see them as um, mentors. I've learned a lot from them, certainly. Um, yeah. But I see them more as just advocates and folks that, you know, I helped along the way as well. And again, in some cases, it has been a direct supervisor. Like that's obviously a, a relationship that it's natural to have someone want to be your advocate or help propel you forward or mm -hmm. put you up for the next promotion or whatever it might be. But it doesn't necessarily have to be. So yeah. especially if you're in a big organization like a JLL, um, or even the organization, the size I'm in now, which is about much smaller, 5,000 employees, like take advantage of that. Like those are 5,000 people, or in the case of JLL at the time it was 50,000 people globally that like you work with, right. Yeah. You can reach out to them. You can learn about what they're doing. You can ask for 30 minutes to grab a, a coffee and pick their brain and hear about a project they're working on and maybe yeah. lend your time because it intersects with something you're working on, or you want to get to know another part of the business. And I think for the most part, people are really receptive to that kind of stuff, but again, you, you just have to be proactive about it. Yeah. Um, and, and another piece of advice I give my direct reports, my team is like, be your own advocate too. So don't just yeah. like wait around for someone at the firm to notice what you're doing and, you know, wake it. a manager um, day to day is not waking up being like, what can I do today to <laughs> propel Sarah forward? She's, yeah. she's great. What, what should I do to help her? It's more like um, managers are available and receptive to like, if you come to them and say, hey, I, I have this thing I really want to do. I have a vision. I want to be on the product team or whatever it is that they can help you get there. But again, you have to advocate for yourself or, you yeah. know, I want to get, I want to pursue this credential, this professional credential that will really help me in my work. It costs $1,500, but if I do it, I see this ROI because I'll be able to offer this skill and, and we can sell that as a new product, something, whatever it is. Yeah. So people need to be their own advocates as well. But um, take advantage of everything around you. I mean, unless you're working in a firm of one person, there are other people there. Yeah. They have, they know stuff you don't, they know people you don't. Um, so I see every person as an opportunity, you know, to further propel whatever it is you're trying to do in a short time on earth. Yeah. I'll have. <laughs> now, are you someone that, 
externally networking came naturally to, or was that something that you maybe had to sort of practice? Cause I know for me, like I, it took a while for me to get comfortable with it. I felt awkward. I felt like I would say something to embarrass myself or would I have anything positive to contribute? Um, how, what advice would you give like a middle of the career person who's trying to build their network, but doesn't know yeah. where to begin? It's a good, it's a good question. Um, so I think first and foremost, you should be in touch with yourself and reality of like, if you're an introvert or an extrovert, <laughs> right. true concept, right? So if you're an extrovert, you're going to go out, you're going to go to a cocktail event, you're going to go to a, a women's breakfast, and you're going to just be in your zone, right? Because you're an extrovert, you love to talk to people, you yeah. get energy from being around people. If you're an introvert, you might sit there being like, I hate this. I know it's important, <laughs> but I need to do it, but it feels yeah. like a chore. And if I can suck it up and just go, I'm going to feel exhausted afterwards and it's going to be terrible. So like know who you are first and yeah. foremost. Um, and then I think there are ways to cater to that, right? So if you're an extrovert, like go to the big events, work the room, talk to 10 people, hoping that one of them might be a meaningful connection um, and go to, you know, it could be a numbers or volume game to a certain extent. I think when you're younger, like that's not a bad way to be. Um, as you get older, I think your time is more limited and you want to mm -hmm. be more thoughtful about what you're doing and when you're doing it. So you might just hone in on things that, you know, either you're an expert in or you really enjoy or um, something that you think will be like a good opportunity for you because of a specific reason, not just like, hey, free food and booze <laughs> in, which could definitely, that was like yeah. my whole 20s. Um, that was all <laughs> right. my 20s. So I, I lived good in my 20s. Um, yeah. So yeah, it just depends. And if you're an extrovert, I think you can find smaller groups and smaller settings for people that might enjoy something that you enjoy. So maybe you're in product development and um, you, you enjoy coding, but you don't really like talking to other people. Like you can find groups of other like-minded people and they do networking just differently. It's not about yeah. getting to a big room and talking to random strangers. They might have like a competition or something. Like I've seen these competitions where you can enter and like do what you love doing, but still meet people on a team. So I think there's so much out there now. Yeah. Um, so you just have to know how you work best and you have to respect how that evolves as you get older. Right. So like in my twenties, that's not the way that I network now in my forties. Right. It's just right. a little bit different, um, being mindful and cognizant of my time. Um, so that's it. Yeah. And, and as far as when you're there, the only advice is just like, be yourself, be a mm -hmm. genuine human person. Nobody likes talking to a robot. You're not there to <laughs> right. recite your resume. Like, Oh, I went to school here. And then I worked here yeah. and now I do this and I'm pretty good at, um, inbound marketing and I'm looking for a job. Like that's so boring. Be like, I'm Healy. I love tennis. I hate hot dogs and whatever, you know, like be, be human um, yeah. and get to know people at um, in a different level or a different layer than just their professional persona, because, you know, we're all just people and people like to yeah. connect with other like-minded people. They like to meet interesting people. So don't feel that because you're in a professional networking um, event or setting that you have to keep the conversation strictly to work. Yeah, um, no, at all. And some of the best relationships I've made are with people that maybe we work together in the same industry, but we have a common interest or we really connect outside of just work. Yeah, that's a good point. I think, especially with early career people, I, a lot of times will talk to my teams about, you know, sometimes you can just have a conversation to just get to know someone. And that really scares people sometimes because they feel like, well, what do I say? And where do I take the conversation? And and it can be a little bit daunting, but it also takes practice, right? You have to put yourself out there 
more and more and more to get more comfortable with the idea of networking and talking to people that there's not a specific agenda. There's not a specific goal in mind. You're just, like you said, being yourself and, and connecting on a, on a personal level. Um, I guess one of my final questions I would have would be in terms of yourself now as a leader, I'd love to know, you know, you, you mentioned a little bit about how you hold your team accountable and, and what you look for when you hire people. How do you support your team if they are, you know, feeling stuck in a rut? You know, maybe they're in a point in their career where they don't know what they want to do next or they feel like they've reached their peak and, you know, you've been able to really develop a good path for yourself and and go into different opportunities and take advantage of uh, things that are presented to you. Do you push your team to sort of think outside the box a bit or how do you kind of help them along in that journey? Yeah, for sure. So one thing I'm working on, you know, again, as part of continued professional growth, I don't think you're ever really done is like meeting people where they're at. Okay. Yeah. So I, I have a leadership style, no doubt. You can ask my team, they'll, they'll describe it to you. But that being said, how I deal with each individual is respect is with respect in regards yeah. to who they are as an individual, how they work, um, how they like to be spoken to. So you kind of, there's a, there's a personal element as far as pushing them along, I mean, I try to let them know that I'm there as an advocate. I want to support them, um, especially the ones that are doing good work. You know, the ones yeah. that are not doing great work, I might not make myself as available for them. Um, if someone's specifically stuck in a rut, I will try to tease that out. And I have had certain people, um, there's this one girl I always think back, brilliant woman. She was in an analyst role. Mm -hmm. And she was not a great analyst. Like she found herself on a performance improvement plan, just like couldn't get the work done, missed deadlines. Um, so, you know, maybe the, the initial thought is like, she's probably just a dud. But as I got to know her and realized like that just was not her strong suit. So right. she moved into the sales team and like crushed it, which is yeah. awesome. That was, a, it, it was just about a misfit in a position. Um, and so one thing that can tease that out that we've used before, they're like different strength finders, or there's like a one that's called, um, it's like one that with regards to colors that insights, discovery, something like that. Same. There's Myers, there, there's all kinds of things. Yeah. You put people through an assessment and figure out what they are. So the one specifically with regards to colors, it's like red, blue, yellow, green. So a blue is like an, an analytical role. Blues really enjoy spreadsheets and individual work, and they tend to be introverts and they really hate speaking in front of people. Mm -hmm. And so, and that can be teased out through, you know, this assessment. Right. Um, whereas reds enjoy leading people and le and they want to be speaking in front of people and they tend to be good in sales and they tend to be good in leadership. But if you give them a spreadsheet, it's the last thing they want to do. They'll procrastinate yeah. it until the last possible minute because they hate doing it. So <laughs> being in touch with that really helps. Yeah. And if I see someone struggling, my first instinct is they're not a bad person or they're not lazy. They might just not be in a role that suits them. Yeah. And if you don't nip it in the bud and say, hey, so-and-so, you know, what's up? They'll just leave, right? Because right. they'll just think that they hate the company or they hate working for you when really they're just not in a position that suits um, their skill set. So yeah, if you can figure that out or tease that out and set people like on their correct path or yeah. help them find a position, um, even within the firm, like so they don't have to leave that they enjoy, um, that's like really rewarding too, right? Yeah. So now this particular person I'm talking about was years ago, she's moved on, but she stayed in that space of sales and marketing where truly like, you know, I think that's where her spirit belongs. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. Um, yeah. I mean, listen, I think it's amazing to hear 
sort of your story and and just the the journey that you've been on. And I think that again, the point of this podcast is really to just empower women to take control of their career. And that can feel really scary sometimes. And I think just hearing, you know, your story and setting even just those small goals of failure is not an option, whatever that might be. And I think being comfortable being uncomfortable too, right? I'm sure everything didn't feel super easy to you all the time. I'm sure there were moments of maybe imposter syndrome or, or feeling nervous or uncomfortable, but going through those moments is really usually when you get the biggest rewards. Um, final question. We always ask yeah. our, our people that we have on, are you a tea drinker? How do you take your tea? Ooh, a tea drinker. I do like tea. Um, there's this like loose tea. It's, it has some sort of turmeric, something turmeric, mm-hmm. ginger, something in it. And it's so good that when you drink it, if you were to have like regular tea after like a chamomile, which I also like, it tastes like water because this tea really? is infused <laughs> with gorgeous um, flavors and essence. And it's a fall thing for me. And yeah. I actually prefer it to like wine at the end of a long day because huh. it's like so ar- aromatic and strong and delicious. And I'm like drooling, even talking yeah, about it. Yeah, I have to, so I'll have to find the that. name of it for you. <laughs> but yeah, it's just a, it's a loose leaf tea. You put it in the, either the pot or the little spoon yeah. thing. Um, and it's really, really great. So highly recommend. I'll, I'll, if I find the name, I'll look at the bag when I get, yeah, home. let me know. I'm trying to get yeah. away. I drink a lot of coffee, so I'm trying to get more into tea and I do enjoy something hot at the end of the day, sometimes just like hot water and lemon, but that sounds yeah. good. So send that over. Yes. To me. Well, Haley, thank you so much for joining me today and having the conversation. I loved chatting with you and, you know, I look forward to more conversations in the future and hopefully we'll, our paths will cross soon. Yeah, likewise. It's good to see you again. And um, if you find yourself in Chicago, let me know. Yeah, I'm actually coming to Chicago shortly. So we'll talk about that Perfect. offline. Yes, we'll, logisti- <laughs> we'll logisticize. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, everyone.